when an employer is focused primarily on a degree as a screen for a role, they are screening out 50% of the U.S. workforce. Ten employers could have ten different sets of skills, and so how do we then modify or stand up new programs um, where, when those skills aren't contained within that program? We know that because of uh, factors like structural racism and discrimination, uh, that learners of color, adults of color, have been kept out of employment and educational opportunities that have often been available to other learners. One of the things that we're really focused on is how do we address and remediate those equity gaps in education and employment. This is In the Know with ACCT, the voice of community college leaders. I'm Kaylee Woods. On this episode of In the Know, ACCT's Steve Jerch sits down with Bridget Gray from Opportunity at Work and Kermit Kaliba from the Lumina Foundation to discuss a new project focused on creating a more efficient pipeline from community colleges to the workforce. We'll discuss the importance of skills-based hiring and how it can help employers meet their need for competent workers while closing the employment gap for minority communities. My name is Steve Jerch. Uh, and I am the director of the Center for Policy and Practice here at ACCT. And I am joined today by two outstanding individuals working to improve many things in people's lives, with one of those being economic mobility. So we'll start with you, Bridget. Hi, my name is Bridget Gray, and I'm Chief Customer Officer at Opportunity at Work. Um, I am responsible for um, making sure that we have strategy around how we grow um, in across the U.S., as well as making sure we are supporting skills-based hiring by hiring STARS, which we'll talk a little bit more about who STARS are. Kermit? Hey, uh, Kermit Kaliba. I'm the uh, the Strategy Director for Employment Aligned uh, Credential Programs at Lumina Foundation. Uh, Lumina Foundation is a national foundation headquartered in Indianapolis that focuses on expanding access to high-quality uh, education and training uh, with a particular focus on expanding educational employment opportunities for adult learners of color. Um, so we're here this morning to talk about a project that we recently uh, launched called Expansion of Skills-Based Hiring, Growing Stars for the Future. So I, I just want to start off by framing the issue a little bit. There's been a lot of discussion around skills-based hiring lately, particularly in the media. Uh, I believe a couple of days ago, even President Obama tweeted or retweeted an article uh, related to skills-based hiring. And I believe, Bridget, your organization was actually involved in that original article. So I, I want to start with you, Bridget. I guess start by defining what is skills-based hiring. Yeah, great question. So um, I, I will start off by just saying an opportunity at work. We've spent the last almost eight years really thinking about skills-based hiring and um, putting some definition to it, but also thinking about the individuals that are skilled through alternative routes, which are STARS, how we're able to lift up the skills that they bring through um, non-traditional means. And so when we think about skills-based hiring, we look at that as hiring that's equitable, it's data-driven, um, there's an a data-driven approach to how you think about recruitment. Um, skills-based hiring is relying on skills rather than pedigree to define how someone can do a job. So when you think about a position description, that description is written in a skills-first um, way versus 
solely on the bachelor's degree. We realize that bachelor's degrees are required for a, a, a lot of jobs, but for the most jobs, and we've drilled those jobs down to about 30 occupations, bachelor's degrees are not required. So when we think about skills-based and skills-first, it's an equitable approach, it's a data-driven approach, and it's a way to identify talent um, that have skills that they've earned from some type of either college and may not have completed or community college, or even just through their military service or a boot camp. And you you mentioned STARS, and you mentioned they're skilled through alternative routes. Um, so could you maybe expand upon, like, who are the STARS, um, and why is it so important to bring that talent into the workforce? Yeah, so, so STARS are 70 million workers in the U.S. who um, have may have some college experience, but did not receive a bachelor's degree, which is not a bad thing. It means that um, stars are skilled through a boot camp. They may be skilled through a community college. They could be skilled through some credentialing program. But the reality is stars make up the bulk 50% of US workers not possessing a bachelor's degree. And so it's really important for people to understand stars are a talent category. Um, they are um, the the half of the US workforce, when an employer is focused primarily on a degree as a screen for a role, they are screening out 50% of the US workforce. The other thing that's interesting is stars make up the full diversity of our workforce. So when you start to look at um, black stars make up 61%, um, rural stars over 60%, veterans over 60%, um, white stars over 50%. We're looking at the full diversity of the U.S. labor market. And so this is important because employers have been screening stars out versus screening them in because they're looking at what they think they don't have, which is a degree, versus thinking about the skills they've developed. And most importantly, they've gained those skills through their employment and their transition from one job to another. They continue to build their skills banks. No, that's actually very helpful and, and definitely um, sort of puts a spotlight on the need for, for these individuals in the workforce. And so we'll get a little bit into like what the project is about, but I think um, it stemmed from uh, a first in the nation initiative uh, by the state of Maryland and former Governor Hogan, um, you know, removed some of the bachelor degree requirements for state jobs. So I know your organization was involved with that. So could you talk a little bit about that, like that partnership and sort of how that project came about? Yeah, that's a very exciting project because I'd only been um, with opportunity at work a few months before that was the first um, project I was working on. And so it's interesting how there has to be a pain point sometimes for people to realize that they're leaving talent um, at the door versus bringing that talent in. And that is exactly what Maryland was feeling, a pain point to bounce back post pandemic. And so the goal for the state of Maryland initially was for us to work through their workforce exchange and thinking about how do we bring those stars that are uh, receiving any type of public benefits that are looking for jobs, how do we work with them? But Maryland took a step back and thought, you know what, we actually need the support in finding um, stars as well. And so through an initiative that they were running, um, which was called No Degree, No Problem, they wanted to partner with Opportunity at Work because we have a platform called Stella Works 
that's created and designed specifically for stars, meaning stars do not compete with bachelor degree holders on Stellarworks. And the state of Maryland decided to post their positions um, around their professional services roles, their IT, any customer facing roles on Stellarworks. And so it was a it was an opportunity for us to step in and help them look at position descriptions and understand what it means to be skills first. Um, versus um, just removing the degree, there's other work that has to happen. And so that conversation with the state of Maryland ended up being a really big relationship that's going to continue through the Moore administration. Um, but it also opened up the doors to other states across the U.S. reaching out to think about how they too can remove bachelor degrees and um, do skills, skills um, first hiring and hire stars. That's uh, that's actually a great segue into this next piece. And so, you know, um, for the listeners, they may be wondering, like, well, how did this come about? And um, so uh, I'll talk a little bit about sort of how I got involved with this project. And prior to joining ACCT, I was an assistant dean in the workforce development area at a community college in Maryland. So I my job was to do exactly this was to work with employers to um, you know, help them meet their, their workforce needs through our training programs. And so when I heard about this initiative with Governor Hogan, my first thought was, okay, well, you have these in group of individuals who have this set of skills that can you know, uh, move into these jobs, but what happens if they need a few additional skills or they're looking for a job where they don't have those skills uh, right away or coming to the table with them. So I was like, well, the obvious solution is community colleges. Mm -hmm. And so I knew from personal experience that they worked with employers already. They're fantastic at, at designing training programs. But what I found is that sometimes it was challenging for institutions to sort of drill down with the employers to figure out what exactly those skills are that are needed for those occupations. Um, you know, institutions may not have the capacity because uh, it does take, you know, um, time and effort to go work with employers like that. It's sort of a, um, you know, it, it can be siloed depending on the, the department and they have relationships with individual employers. So I was looking at how do we create sort of a standardized process to help community colleges and employers connect and identify the skills and then either create new programs or enhance existing programs to make sure those skills are included in those programs to then meet the employer needs. And so I was uh, talking with Kermit um, about these ideas and I, I mentioned the, the project in Maryland and opportunity at work. He's like, oh, well, I know Bridget, do you want me to connect you? And so, so he connected Bridget and I, and we had a, uh, you know, a conversation. I think we were so excited when we got off the phone, we couldn't wait to get started. Um, and so now I, I want to circle back to, to Kermit for a second, because this project would not have been possible without the support, support of Lumina Foundation. Um, and I know Kermit's passion for, you know, workforce development and, you know, he, he was so he was excited about the project. So um, I wonder if Kermit, you could sort of talk about what is what is what attracted you and then also the Lumina Foundation to a project like this. Um, so, uh, so as I mentioned at the, at the outset, Lumina Foundation is the, the nation's largest foundation, a private foundation focused exclusively on post-secondary education and training. And, you know, we have two kind of guiding principles when it comes to our work. The first is around 
our what we our attainment goals. So we are working towards a country where 60% of US adults between the ages of 25 and 64 have uh, some form of degree or recognized post-secondary credential, uh, high value credential by the year 2025. Um, you, you may be familiar with our, our Stronger Nation report. We are we are moving closer and closer to that goal. We're not quite there yet, but we're doing our best to try to make sure that it, uh, we're investing in strategies that help uh, all U.S. Uh, learners and workers get to where they need to be. Um, the other kind of guiding principle for us is our commitment to racial equity, our, our equity first principle. Um, we know that uh, we know that because of uh, factors like structural racism and discrimination. Uh, that learners of color, adults of color, have been kept out of employment and educational opportunities that have often been available to other learners. And so one of the things that we're really focused on is how do we address and remediate those equity gaps in education and employment? And so when we see a strategy like skills-based hiring that has such potential for uh, remediating those gaps and creating opportunities for for learners of color. Uh, that's that's really interesting to us. And they, you know, the reason why you know we know that 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 Black, Latinx, and Indigenous learners uh, tend to have lower rates of bachelor degree attainment again because of these structural factors that have been pushing against learners of color in this country for so long. And so uh, unnecessary. Uh, requirements, job requirements, hiring requirements attached to a bachelor's degree have the effect of being discriminatory against learners of color. And so we think anything that's going to lead to uh, reducing those barriers and making it easier for, for workers and learners of color to be able to access well-paying jobs is, is worth pursuing. Um, I think it's probably it probably sounds a little bit counterintuitive for for an organization, a, a foundation that's so focused on, on credential attainment to focus on a, on a project that is not about not needing to get a bachelor's degree. But I think I would say what we're really interested in is emphasizing that there are other pathways into good jobs. And if employers are open to uh, looking at talent in a new way, we want to help uh, educational institutions and employers and learners adapt their, their, their pathways into these jobs in a way that allows people to get access uh, to those opportunities. Great, thanks so much. Um... You, you mentioned a little bit about sort of the foundation goals. Um, so how would how do you think a project like this? Uh, so this is a little bit of a two part question. So how do you think a project like this one helps meet your foundation goals? But then also you when you were when we were sort of putting this project together, what were some of the things that you wanted to see come from a project like this? Sure. So, I mean, in the I'll take the first question first. Uh, you know, so we, you know, at Lumina, we look at we look at uh, a degree and credential attainment fairly broadly. So we do look at uh, bachelor's degrees and master's degrees and associate's degrees, uh, but we also count uh, uh, certificates and credentials uh, towards the overall attainment goals. So, uh, so we wouldn't see this as we would see this as contributing to uh, helping workers and learners. Uh, gain sub-baccalaureate credentials that allow them to get into good, uh, well-paying jobs. So that I think that that is in furtherance of our overall goal. The, the purpose of, of, of educational attainment is to make sure that you have access to, to opportunities, both in employment and in life. So to the extent that this is creating opportunities that didn't exist before, I think that that is broadly in support of our goals. I would say the one particular appeal of this uh, project is 
uh, that the working with community colleges allows you to kind of get a twofer. Not only are you getting the education and training that you need to get into a family supporting job, but you're also getting onto an educational pathway that might be able to lead to further educational opportunities. So if you started a community college and you get a, a certificate or, or an associate's degree, uh, then you're earning credit, you're potentially earning credit to that allows you to then go on when you're ready to get a bachelor's degree or beyond, which allows you to support career advancement. It means you're not you're not starting from scratch when you're ready to move to the next level in your career. So so I think that's very appealing. I mean, in terms of what we're looking for from this, so you know, as Bridget mentioned, I think um this this concept of skills-based hiring is fairly intuitive, right? We know that uh, having bachelor's degree requirements that don't make sense for the job uh, hurt the employer and they hurt workers, right? Um, that doesn't mean that we know everything we need to know about how to do skills-based hiring at scale and how to do it well. And I think what you mentioned, Steve, this, this issue of lifting the bachelor's degree requirement is a, is a good first step towards equity. What it doesn't do is it doesn't mean that you automatically, as a worker, have the skills uh, to do the particular job. And it doesn't necessarily mean the employers know what to design their, their job requirements and their hiring announcements to do. So I think what's appealing about this is this is a step towards more equitable opportunities, but also getting into the nitty gritty of figuring out if a state or, or other employers are interested in doing this and moving this to scale, what are the steps that they need to do? Who are the partners they need to engage? And how can they work together? How can how can employers and education providers like community colleges work together to design pathways so that if you do want to go after a job, uh, you you have a clear way to get the skills and the competencies and the credentials that you do need in order to be hired and to be successful on the job. And I think the you know as as as, as I think we alluded, there are a number of states uh, be outside of Maryland that are that either have announced that they're lifting bachelor's degree requirements. I know Pennsylvania just announced this uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, there are a lot of uh, large national employers, international employers that are looking at this. Uh, and I think they're all looking for guidance on how to do this well. Uh, so if we can design a system where community colleges can be uh, a real pathway into well-paying both public sector and private sector jobs, uh, that to me is a win for employers. It's a win for workers. And it's a win for the institutions as well, because I think uh, it gives the opportunity to, to be designing in partnership with employers, a set of experiences and opportunities that really do lead to, to uh, economic opportunity. Can I jump in for a second? I think there's a couple of things. So one sure. is, I, I, I love this, where Kermit is going with this, because I, I, I happen to believe that community colleges have to be the bedrock of how training happens in the U.S. Um, and what I mean by that is it doesn't um, dismiss workforce training organizations or boot camps or any of those things. But I do feel like those things need to be aligned with community colleges, because that should be the space where training in workforce training and preparing people for for certain pathways it should sit with the community college and there has to be this um, kind of um, central curriculum that happens so that we're just not teaching all over the place but there is just like a foundation around um, competencies, a foundation around skills. If you talk to a company that's looking for a software developer, they're all going to, you can talk to 10 companies, they're going to give you 10 sets of skills people need that are different. So how do we rein those in and have a space where those are being developed with community colleges and employers? And then those curriculums are pushed out to other training organizations. So we're aligning what that looks like. 
The second thing is skill similarities and adjacencies are really, really important. And so for community colleges or any workforce training or boot camp, it's going to be important for them to like laden themselves in data. So understanding labor market data, understanding um, how you're even recruiting someone to sit in the seat for that particular training. What's their background? How does their background align with this particular pathway? Are there some skill similarities or adjacencies that are there? I know I come from the workforce uh, training area, and I know that when you're recruiting for stars in your in your cohorts or anyone, oftentimes, if you can pass an assessment, you can answer some basic level interview questions, you have a seat. But that doesn't mean that it's the right seat based on that pathway. So we've got to get better at, at literally like helping people understand the skills they're bringing to the table and how those align with, with um, certain pathways. I, I mean, I think that's, those are fantastic points. I want to share just a little bit about the actual project. And as you can tell, this is much more than just a job matching process. I mean, I think the StellarWorks platform is just another vehicle or another tool that we can use. But I think the real crux of this project is, as what both Bridget and Kermit were saying, is that it is a um, creating a system of engagement between employers and community colleges. And I think that's really what we're trying to get at is because, like Bridget said, these organizations, we're doing this already. It's just a matter of how do we create a system around it to make it more effective, more efficient, and then be able to be scaled to help those other institutions and other uh, employers. Um, and so, Bridget, I don't know if you want to help me with this, um, you know, talk about a little bit about the project. So if you want to start off, just talk about, you know, when we you, when you and I were discussing this, you talked about sort of some of the first steps, things like identifying jobs with the state. If you could share a little bit about sort of the first steps and then, then I'll bring in how the colleges uh, are integrated. Yeah. So, again, um, tremendous kudos to you, Kermit, for seeing this as an opportunity and to Lumina Foundation for supporting the work. Um, and so the initial step is to. Um, look at the roles that are on the state's website and the ones that they feel like are the hardest to fill and to be able to um, understand what the skills that are needed for those particular roles are, what are the competencies that they're looking for, and then taking that information and working with the community colleges to stand up a curriculum that would be able to train a talent pipeline of people for jobs specifically for the state. And if the state doesn't hire, the goal on our end at, at Opportunity at Work is to bring in private sector employers to make sure that anyone that is being trained um, has the opportunity to have a good job. So it starts first with one, just having the conversations with the state to identify what those jobs are and then drilling them down to a simple place of understanding skills and competencies and then aligning those with the community colleges um, so that we can create some off-the-shelf curriculum and get the opportunity to make sure that with this off-the-shelf curriculum, we can stand a training up. And so we've looked at a few roles with the state right now. Um, and some of those that are coming up most often are correction officers. There is a, um, a big gap in corrections officers right now. So who trains for corrections officers? What does that training look like? So this would be one role we would we would be thinking about with with community colleges. No, that's that's very helpful. And I think to to expand on what Bridget was saying is, you know, I think part of the initial 
um, goal of the project is to see where there is immediate alignment between training programs and the skills needed, and then look at where are the graduates from those programs to immediately pipeline them into those open positions. But I think going further than that, it's it's to Bridget's point around, you know, helping the state drill down, identify those skills. Um, you know, when when employers are putting together job descriptions, they use, you know, they'll use labor market information, they'll use other tools and that give a broad picture of the skills. But, you know, as Bridget mentioned, 10 employers could have 10 different sets of skills. And so how do we then modify or stand up new programs um, where when those skills aren't contained within that program. So how do we make the programs better and align those two entities? And so I think, you know, part of this project is, and it's a pilot project with four institutions in Maryland. So it's the Community <clears throat> College of Baltimore County, Howard Community College, Carroll Community College, and Frederick Community College. And, you know, so what we're going to do is take this list of jobs, match those jobs to the training programs at the various colleges work, connect the colleges with the employer or with the state to like to compare skills needed versus outcomes of the training programs and then make modifications or create new programs as needed. And I think we mentioned some of the goals of the project would be access, you know, increase access to these jobs, um, increase opportunities for this under pool of underrepresented talent. We want to be able to create this playbook that creates a, you know, step-by-step um, -step guide for community colleges and employers and how then to streamline that engagement. And then that gives us the ability to scale this to other states, Kermit mentioned Pennsylvania. I know Alaska has moved in this direction as well. So there's a lot that we can do with this pilot. Um, so we're very excited. So I want to, uh, and I don't know if Bridget, you had anything else to add. Yeah, only thing else I would add is that um, it is a it's a win-win for everyone. And what I mean by that is it's also a win for employers because employers will, by working with the community colleges and really define helping to define what the skills and competencies are, it changes position descriptions in a very different way. Right now, position descriptions are copy-paste jobs. Like there's no one literally going in and defining what the skills and competencies are. With working with the community colleges and working with us, all of us in this partnership together, we can clearly define what skills and companies are needed. And that becomes the position description. It becomes an equitable position description for stars to be able to apply for those jobs. So I'm, I'm, I see this as a win-win for every single partner that is here, but it also zeroes employers in to community colleges and the value that they add to making sure that the labor market has amazing talent. So I know that, you know, part of this, uh, this project is focused on the public sector. And I know we mentioned both public and private sector. So, you know, do you have an interest in seeing how both of those sectors operate? And do you feel like there's a, a difference between those two? And then maybe Bridget can sort of um, discuss if there's a, a process difference between those two. Uh, no, that's a great question. I think um, uh, I think we we I've certainly talked to uh, business leaders on the private sector side who have expressed a lot of interest in skills based hiring and the idea that it's a you know potentially both both a way to diversify their workforce but also a, perhaps a more accurate way of assessing who would be a good candidate who would be a successful candidate because 
you know, the bachelor's degree has served as a proxy for a lot of skills, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's like you getting the, the right fit for the right job. And I think there's some awareness of that. Um, I think at the same time, the, the, the thing that keeps coming up is like, how do we know, like we get rid of the bachelor's degree as a, as a proxy for a set of skills. How do we know, how do we validate, how do we assess these skills of job candidates in an effective way? Because there aren't, you know, because, because we've been using the bachelor's degree for so long, uh, we don't necessarily have the, the muscle memory, if you will, to sort of figure out how do we assess whether or not somebody has these skills and competencies. Um, and so, so I do think, I think, um, you know, I, I'll defer to Bridget on the sort of the distinction between public versus private. One thing I will say is um, one of the things we're particularly interested in looking at is the sort of, there are large companies, right, that have, uh, that work nationally or internationally that have fairly sophisticated internal human resources and training and development processes who are probably reasonably well equipped as a, as entities to sort of think about skills-based hiring uh, because they have dedicated folks internally who can kind of think about what are the job functions, what is our hiring process, how do we sort of build this out. What will be interesting, and I think this is where I think community colleges may be able to play a really interesting role, is when we think about small and medium-sized businesses where, you know, they, you know, to get to Bridget's point, the way you do hiring is the owner, you know, hires you, right? And 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 the owner is also the one who does payroll and does benefits and everything else. So that you you don't necessarily have a whole lot of time and energy to be thinking about what is what are my job descriptions? What is the job description? What are, what am I actually looking for in terms of skills and competencies? So I think this is where community colleges might actually be able to shine is as more employers are looking to think about skills-based hiring and working in a skills-based hiring ecosystem, community colleges can do a great job of sort of aggregating skill demands across multiple employers and building pathways that kind of do help you as a, as a small or medium-sized business think about, okay, I can, I can do this now because somebody's actually shown me and demonstrated to me that this pathway, this set of training uh, and this set of uh, work experiences allows me to hire someone with confidence that they'll be able to do the job. And so I think that's what's going to be interesting is how does this spread to different kinds of employers and how how do we solve the different problems that, that come up with different types of employers? And I think that um, I think that one of the things I would say this difference between public and private sector, I don't think there's a, a huge difference at all. Um, enterprise level companies have more resources, as Kermit said. So there may be someone specifically um, put in play at most of the enterprise level companies we work with have DEI be resources. And so that's who's going to work on skills-based hiring and work on trying to make sure that underrepresented um, populations are employed. But that doesn't mean they do it well at all. Um, it just means that they have more resources. Small to mid-sized businesses, though, are interesting because that's where you see more stars hired when you think about it, because they, they care more about skills it's just that they haven't been shown like how to do skills-based hiring. And so that's where I see the difference between the two. A lot of enterprise level companies will tell you they already do it because they have a DEIB person. And it's like, yeah, you're not really doing it from what I see. And that's not a criticism to them. It's just, it's just the nature of the business, right? If you put a body on something specifically, then, and you set actual numeric goals, and you're bringing folks in at six, you've, you've increased your, your underrepresented um, talent from 3% to 5%, then you feel like you accomplished something. But if you're a Fortune 500 or 1,000 company, 3% to 5% is nothing. 
And so when you start to think about the way enterprise businesses are set up, they're just very different from, from small to midsize. Um, and so small to midsize is much more open. It's just how do we do these things? They don't have the same set of resources. So the level of support that a community college could help with a small to midsize business would be fantastic. Um, and then the other last thing I'll say is understanding what skills first hiring just means. Oftentimes people don't just understand what that means. And the validation piece comes up all the time. The question I always have to employers is how are you validating the skills of a college, of a, for a bachelor degree holder? And they're like, because they have a degree. And I'm like, that's a degree, but how are you validating the skills? And, and, and so we're working in this phantom space that the degree equals the skills. And that's not, that's not true. I think one of the things that's appealing about public sector employment, at least conceptually, is that, uh, you know, those generally speaking, public sector jobs are reasonably well paid and they have good benefits. Right. That's one of the one of the things that's appealing about public sector jobs. I think one of the things we want to make sure as we move forward with this is that the fact that you're not requiring a bachelor's degree does not mean that that person coming in is less valuable and that the work that they're doing is any less valuable because they don't have a bachelor's degree. We know that there's a there's a there's a big premium that comes from bachelor's degrees and, and advanced degrees. Um, and so I think the the thing that's going to be important as we as we move forward is making sure that um, that we're still valuing the work and we're still valuing workers who have skills, even if they don't have a degree. Uh, and I, you know, to the extent that employers might view this as well, it's cheaper to acquire talent if it does, you know, if they don't have degrees. That's not the mindset. The mindset here really ought to be about how do I get somebody who's going to be good at the job, who's going to enjoy the job, who's going to succeed on the job, um, and less about sort of using this as a, as a way to sort of minimize the investment that you're making in your workforce. Because it actually doing this well, doing this with integrity, isn't necessarily going to be cheaper or easier. The idea is, though, is it'll be better and it'll be more equitable. No, I think that's a that's um, great points, and and um, it looks like we're just about out of time. So um, I do want to thank our guests, Kermit Kaliba and Bridget Gray, for joining us. Um, this is an exciting um, time in workforce, and, and I think a pro projects like this are going to really make a difference in people's lives, and we definitely appreciate all the support from the Lumina Foundation and our partnership with Opportunity at Work. And stay tuned for updates along the way. And Steve, can I just say that if anyone is interested in learning more about STARS, Worker Skills or Alternative Routes, they can actually look up teartheperceiling.org, which is a national campaign with the Ag Council that Opportunity at Work has launched. Absolutely. 